Welcome to Ditch the Binge, the podcast where I help you stop binge eating and build a banging body image without having to obsessively track all your meals, be haunted by the scale, or waste another year of your life being controlled by how you look. If you are finally ready to end the war with food and body and grab life by the balls, you are in the right place. All right, my friends, today we have a very special guest. I have my wonderful friend, Amanda, here today. And Amanda is a women's health practitioner based in Gisborne, New Zealand. Her passion is hormone regulation, particularly as it pertains to active women. An expert in women's health, she helps get to the root of fertility issues, period problems, and helps navigate the landscape of perimenopause and menopause. She also loves to teach groups of women who want to truly understand their bodies and optimize their function. Amanda, welcome. Hi. <laughs> I don't have I don't have a New Zealand accent because no. I just moved here from America like six months ago. So yeah, I met Amanda in a running group in Portland, and we became friends. And she recently moved on over there. So yeah, very exciting. Um, I had recently made a post. Well, I made a couple posts about my period because they knock me out. They are painful. I get extremely emotional. I have all of the things that a lot of people on my Instagram related to. And I I can't even remember what it was, but then I ended up finding, what's her name? Laura, that I got the book from. Yeah. Laura Laura Bryden. Yes. She's a naturopathic doctor here in New Zealand as well. Yes. So I got her book. I haven't read it yet, but, um, she, I won it in a giveaway, which was very exciting because I feel like from what I've heard from certain people, uh, you know, you included that your period doesn't actually have to feel like there are pitchforks being dug into your ovaries and slowly rotated. Is that true? That's, that's what it feels like for me. Oh, no. <laughs> that's terrible. Actually, I can relate because um, I used to have periods like that. And it's part of what, it's only, it's a part of what set me down this track as far as trying to figure out some better solutions for myself that um, didn't necessarily include taking more hormones. Cause to me, for me at the point I was in my life, I just didn't feel like that was something I wanted to play with. Cause I was also taking other medications like for anxiety and depression. I just didn't mm-hmm. want to add more in, like mm-hmm. into the mix at that point. And I really wanted to figure out what the heck was going on. Yeah. My body. Yeah. Luckily I was in naturopathic medical school at the time. So mm-hmm. I had lots of resources and clinic shifts and things to begin my journey and mm-hmm. work, start working all that out. But yeah, no, it does not actually have to feel that way, <laughs> but it does for a lot of people. So I'm like solidly have a job. Yeah. Yeah. So I, ha- <laughs> I, I, I know this because I asked uh, my Instagram people uh, some questions for you. So I have a handful of questions that I want to cover, but before we dig into all of that, I'm just, can you just tell us a little bit more about how you got into this, to being a naturopathic doctor and why, 
women's fertility, women's health, especially like you had mentioned, active women, periods, menopause, all of that stuff. What, what led you to that? So tell me kind of how all of this evolved and then we'll dig into some of these questions. Sure. As you know, a lot of us have a story where the thing that we start seeking for ourselves eventually becomes something we end up offering Mm -hmm. as a resource for other people. And that's certainly true in my case. You know, I, I am a, such a kinesthetic, kinesthetic and experiential learner Mm -hmm. that when I learn something and I feel something, I do it and it's working. I want to share that with people Mm -hmm. um, for sure. So for me, naturopathic medicine, um, I entered it when I got mono when I was in college and I was like, I don't have time for this. You know, like <laughs> I didn't want to slow down. And the, you know, the clinic is telling me, oh, you're just going to be sick for a couple of months. You'll have really low energy. And I, was like, I said, no, I don't really want to do that. Um, no, thanks. <laughs> no, not thanks. Me. Yeah, not, not interested. Me. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, not interested in that textbook answer. Um, actually, I had gotten this, like, it's called the Green Valley Book Fair in Virginia. I got this book called the Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine. Mm-hmm. And it was written by two naturopathic doctors who are pretty famous in the field. You know, and this is like 20 something years ago. I had the book and I was like, well, let's see what it says, you know, like, because <laughs> I'm like, you know, at this point I'm like, hallucinating with fever and just oh, like so sick like just so uh and um, and it was like yeah take extra vitamin c take extra vitamin d try echinacea like this you know i knew it was a virus so i'm like i'm just gonna try it and i got better after like two and a half weeks instead of like two and a half months wow and then i found out you could do that as a job and I had already done a lot of the pre-med um, prerequisites. Mm-hmm. I was studying insect genitals at that point. <laughs> I know, so <laughs> random. Like, <laughs> was just, I was studying the. Um, I was studying water scorpion penises and vaginas, and I was, <laughs> you know, coming to the slow realization. I was like, "This is cool. I love research. I really like this world." And I'm a people person. Yeah. So like, that's when, you know, then I just made that really natural jump as you do Very from, natural. you know, like insect vaginas <laughs> to, to female oh. anatomy. So, <laughs> oh um, yeah, it was pretty, you know, when you're in your, you know, I, I, it was obvious. It was one of those things that just felt completely right. Yeah. Um, medical school is super duper stressful. Within a few months of starting, I started having like the worst periods of my life, like mm-hmm. talking about, you know, I felt like my actual organs were going to like fall out of my body with so much cramping, so much heavy bleeding. So I might be jumping ahead, but is that yeah. because of the stress or? Yeah, for me, it was, it was definitely yeah. like, you know, it was a one-to-one correlation yeah. of wow. like, and you know, when I look back at it. Anything that we do, and I can talk about this more later in the Mm -hmm. conversation, but our female bodies or bodies that are guided, you know, with the brain talking to the ovaries, there's Mm -hmm. this three month lag time Mm -hmm. from when that, if you're ovulating, when that 
egg gets like picked to be the one that's going to get ovulated. It takes Mm -hmm. three months for it to get across the ovary and do that. So whatever the mix of stress or hormones or um, lack of nutrition or, you know, surplus nutrition, whether Mm -hmm. it's good or bad, it affects that egg and that egg actually carries that through and it predicts what your cycle is going to be like, like three months out. And so we see this all the time. And that's exactly what happened to me. I started medical school in September. And by the new years, I was having these like could not get out of bed periods like I'd never had in my life. And granted, I also had moved across the country away from my boyfriend, away from my family, mm-hmm. started new school, had a hundred new best friends, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> mm-hmm. was in medical school all day long, every day in a new city. And I was a country girl. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it was obvious. I didn't know that was what was going to happen. I had no idea the level to which what how we conduct ourselves and what we're feeling physiologically, you know, on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. really has an impact. And so it's just out of going down this track for decades now, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems weird to say that, but it has (laughs) been two full decades of me, you know, like, and that's a gift, right? Of time. It's like, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, it is so important. Like to me now it's like, I'm on both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. of wanting to help people have a really good entry into getting their period, you know, like yeah. when they're 12 and 13 and like just getting started and um, doing a lot of that education of like, this is what's happening and this is why, mm-hmm. and you know, this is what you can expect. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is like when it catches us off guard, we feel out of control, mm-hmm. you know, things feel out of control. And so anything, you know, when you're get triggered by that kind of thing, then it really can play out in more areas in your life than just your period, you know? Uh, so Yeah. I'm like yeah. surprised that I don't <laughs> commit murder and like break up with my, I mean, this is, I don't know if, if that was just directly related to like 12 year olds and people that just start their periods, but I go through this every single month of like, mm-hmm. I'm shocked every single month. I'm like, Oh, of course it's my period. Like no shit. Yeah. Like this has been happening for a long time. And yet still every single month I'm surprised. And it's like, what am I going to get used to this ever? <laughs> and you may, I mean, here's the truth about it. It's like, you can know this about yourself. You can know it's coming. Mm-hmm. The feelings are all still super valid. That's mm-hmm. the thing. That's the mm-hmm. tricky bit is that mm-hmm. you've got to sit with both of those things at the same time and say, I am observing that mm-hmm. this is not my norm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. However, these neurotransmitters and hormones that are kicking up, they need to run their course. Yeah. Because stopping them or trying to obstruct them, you know, from being felt. Mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily make it better, right. you know, it's yeah. like, and this is something that's a little bit newer that I've only just become aware of because I've always for years now, I've always said, like, if you can kind of nip it in the bud, mm-hmm. you know, like things with anxiety and like anger and rage mm-hmm. and stuff, like mm-hmm. once they go, 
it's like a tidal wave, you know, it's like, if you have a panic attack, the likelihood of you kind of staying in a more of a panic mode, Mm. you know, for like the rest of the day or a few days in a row is higher just because that the neurotransmitter release has happened and it mm-hmm. can it will perpetuate it'll like mm-hmm. ride itself out and I've I think there's a happy medium there mm-hmm. you know there are people that are studying our emotions and our neurotransmitters more closely now and that's mm-hmm. not work that I do directly, but I listen to that because it's so intertwined with how our brains and our ovaries are like talking to each other. Yeah. How we feel during the month that, um, my personal goal right now is Mm -hmm. to be able to sit with some of those feelings and see what they're about. Mm -hmm. Um, and be okay with, you know, be okay with it or find a healthy outlet. Um, or some of those feelings of um, irritability and rage and just utter, you know, I mean, this year has been pretty paramount (laughs) for like feeling some real intense grief, for example, but also like the highs of the joys. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, I mean, the female body is so complicated to me. I, I mean, I swear to God, like just not that long ago, I figured out like the difference between where my pee came from and where my period blood came from. I mean, not like yesterday, but it's a, con- it's a confusing, mm-hmm. like our bodies are confusing. We have a lot going on. We got a lot of stuff coming out of lots of different places all of the time. It's very yeah. confusing. So, so <laughs> please break down for me. What is actually, I want to know like, like a, little outline of what's actually happening during our period. Can you tell me that? Yes. Okay. So let's start with just the anatomical structure. So if you're like laying down, say you're like laying down, you're sitting in front of a mirror, you're totally naked. You're looking at your bottom or your perineum. Yeah. Okay. You've got your legs spread wide open. You're looking. So perineum is also known as your vagina. Their vagina is on the inside, right? It's like, what are the, the vagina is internal. The, what's the external? So the perineum is the whole thing. That's just like, if you took your hand and you put it over everything, your butt, your vagina, your pee, that whole thing is the perineum. Got it. And so it's, there's muscles in there that are just like holding all of those outlets in place. And that's the pelvic floor. So the inside is the pelvic floor. The outside is the perineum. Got it. Okay. So from the top down, like you have the clitoris Mm -hmm. at the top, generally Mm -hmm. speaking, Mm -hmm. right below that is the urethra. Mm -hmm. So that's where the pee comes out Uh right below that is the, the vulva. So the Mm -hmm. vulva is the word for the outside. The vagina is the actual tube itself Mm -hmm. that leads into the uterus. Okay. So those two things are really, really close. And that's why like a lot of women will get like UTIs and stuff, particularly, and that's another whole topic, but because of their proximity to each other, Mm -hmm. That's why it's like the vagina and the urethra. So the tube that goes up into your bladder are separated by barely 
anything on the Mm -hmm. inside. So if there's like a lot of friction or irritation in the vagina, Mm -hmm. then you can get a lot of irritation of the um, urinary tract as well. Okay. Okay. And then below the vagina or the vulva is the rectum. So mm-hmm. the anal sphincter just where is that the one outlet. Is. No, huh? <laughs> I, got where, I think I got that one figured out. Sphincter. <laughs> sphincters, sphincters are our friends. <laughs> oh. And so, um, and that's the poop. And then that, of course, um, I delivered a lot of babies in my time. And I can tell you the distance between the rectum and the vagina. Or oh, the anal not nearly far yeah. enough. That's no, not. not for a lot of, well, it is. It's like, it does vary in length. And that's where yeah. you can get a lot of, um, a lot of variation there. So then what's happening during the period, so you want to know like that last yeah. little home stretch. Yeah, I want to know like what's happening within our like the hormones that are sh- kind of shifting that's making us feel all the feels during those like I don't know two to seven days, three to six, however many. I want to know kind of the the hormonal yeah. shifts that are going on in there. So to understand that is to understand like whether you're ovulating or not, and so mm-hmm. there's two places in the menstrual cycle where you get a rise and then a fall of hormones. Mm -hmm. And those rises tend to coincide with us feeling better Mm -hmm. or more level. And so when people say, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around like, oh, you're so hormonal, you know, yeah, that you got a lot of hormone in you, you know, like making that happen. It's actually when the hormone goes away when it falls off mm-hmm. is when we go into those more alternative states of being. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, so it's like, a, it's, yeah, it's more yeah. of a withdrawal state. And so okay. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Um, with other substances. Yeah. Like, withdrawals I'm for fine sure. as long as I got yeah. that going, but when it goes away, I feel it right away. Yeah. And oh, I will do anything. Yes. To not feel that feeling. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yes. Yeah. So if people are, so if here's the thing, if people are on a pill type of birth control. Um, most types of hormonal birth control actually suppress ovulation. So you're not ovulating. And mm-hmm. that's the whole, that's generally the point. If you're for, on it for contraception, then you're making your brain not talk to your ovaries. So your brain is mm. saying, I'm a little bit pregnant. Don't ovulate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when you stop, like when you do that, you either you take the ring out yeah. or like a Nuva ring, or you take the patch off, or you take that line of pills. That's like the iron pills or mm-hmm. the placebo pills. Then that simulates a period, but it's not an actual period. So you don't have the same kind of PMS or irritability, you need to get what's called a withdrawal bleed. It's not Mm -hmm. an actual period. And so that's also really important to note Mm -hmm. for women who are doing the pill um, is that 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 bleed isn't 
a real period yeah. and that a, an actual period takes about anywhere from three to 12 months, you know, to resume because you got to get the brain wow. talking to the ovaries again after you take away the hormones. Cause okay, it takes so some time after you take, so if I, cause I'm on the pill yeah. And if so, if I got off of it, it would take me or whatever, Nuvering, Implanon, uh, it would take me three to 12 months to kind of like generate my own period again. Right. Because wow. you're waiting for that. Remember what I said in the beginning, yeah. that egg, yeah. Yeah. The wow. egg, whatever it's, and it doesn't mean you couldn't get pregnant. Like some people do start ovulating, like as soon as you take away, like we yeah. don't know. Yeah. That's the average. You yeah. know, I certainly have known people who have yeah, I've taken their IUD out and they ovulated in response to doing that got pregnant yeah. right away. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, that's just an average is that three to six months, but generally speaking, physiologically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it so don't be like way. having raw sex just because you pot took, stop taking your birth control because you could still get Definitely. pregnant. Don't be oh like, my I'm gosh. safe for the next 90 days. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not. Okay. Okay. So, with either the, you know, the hormones that your body's producing on its own, or if you're taking them and then you go off of it. So progesterone and estrogen are the things that are keeping everything in balance. Progesterone mm -hmm. is the one that rises. I mean, you get progesterone in your system, whether you're, um, you know, a little bit of it, whether you're on a hormonal birth control pill or not, but you don't get nearly as much of it. Mm -hmm. And that can be a problem for people. Mm -hmm. Progesterone rises when we ovulate. Mm -hmm. And that's because progesterone is the hormone that is maintains a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. When you take apart the word pro gestation, mm -hmm. progesterone, mm -hmm you get that you, 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 they've just named it for what, what it does. Mm -hmm. um, when you ovulate, there's a little <laughs> bit of material that's left over left the, the, the capsule, that was just called a follicle that, that mm -hmm. carries the egg across the ovary um, hangs around and actually produces progesterone while it's waiting to see if you're going to fertilize the egg or not. Oh, it it's is like, like little the, Uber out there with its hazard lights on just hanging totally. out. Totally. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's hanging out. Yeah. It's, it's hanging out, paying for the gas, keeping the I'm car waiting. warm. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> it's just waiting to see. And then if you do, if you do fertilize an egg, then the placenta actually takes yeah. over, you know, like you, you make a little placenta, your body yeah. just does it. Um, if you don't fertilize an egg, then that little capsule just dissolves mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. it's done for. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're on birth control, you don't ovulate. So you don't have an Uber. No Uber. <laughs> no Uber. <laughs> so you're not making, you're not making your own progesterone. Mm -hmm. And the reason that this can cause like worse periods is because progesterone is anti-inflammatory and it's antispasmodic and it's like a smooth, it's, it's a muscle relaxer mm -hmm. essentially. 
for this system for like our organs. Mm, and so there's two different kinds of muscles, muscles that we use to like run around and like yeah. move our bodies. And mm-hmm. then there's also the kind of muscle that like all of our organs are, mm-hmm. which are very responsive to hormones. And so progesterone keeps them healthy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. I So tell me, were you going to keep going? Was there anything else there? I was just going to say that then, uh, when you have, when you don't have any progesterone exposure, then the estrogen becomes more of the dominant hormone and estrogen Mm -hmm. is the one that it's awesome for like building muscle Mm -hmm. and gaining strength and Mm -hmm. feeling strong because it's really closely, much more closely related to testosterone. They're actually interchangeable estrogen and testosterone, um, testosterone can turn into estrogen wow. um, because they share the same bath. It was a lot more molecularly similar than any of the other hormones. Mm-hmm. And so um, that sort of irritable, ragey, want to tear crap up <laughs> feeling is a lot more estrogen driven. Yeah. Progesterone's yeah. a lot more of a bliss bunny. That's for sure. <laughs> Got that noted. Get anything with progesterone. Uh, Okay, so tell me. I I, we are going to get to these questions because I have I have a lot. I have my own personal questions too. But tell me what you would consider. And I know this is kind of like a loaded question because there's really no such thing as normal. But what what would one expect for a normal period? Is that a thing? Is that would you say so? So I would use the word typical more yeah. than normal, okay. but um, yeah. a typical period would be anything. This this is where you can get that variety because we're all a little bit different. Yep. Mm-hmm. Between anything between 21 and 35 days mm-hmm. and you're starting from day one is the first day that you bleed. Mm-hmm. And then you're counting all the way till the end. So then um, if you have, say, you know, a very average cycle of 27 or 28 days, mm-hmm. then you're counting that your first day of your period when you start bleeding. And this is like actual bleeding, not spotting. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people can get confused with because a lot of people have spotting and that can happen as if your brain is more sensitive to that initial drop in hormones it could Mm -hmm. release a little bit of the um lining of your uterus yep Mm -hmm. Yep. totally Mm -hmm. yep are you coming are you not not? don't put the white (laughs) pants on nope yep 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so yeah, that is a more that's a way more individual thing that some people may notice as their own pattern. It's like mm-hmm. that they might get some spotting um, right after ovulation, even because mm-hmm. the progesterone will go high to support that maybe a pregnancy, mm-hmm. and then if it falls off, you could get spotting like ten days before you mm. are going to get your actual period. God, being a woman is such a bitch sometimes, isn't it? It's like, it is, you're never we, safe. <laughs> <laughs> We're really complicated. And oh. that's why I feel 
it is really important for pe- people to understand what is actually happening. Yeah, totally. To really support those things and just know when they're coming. There's a lot more research happening in, in this area right now. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty exciting just to know, just taking it back. It's just taking back that knowing and that sense of a little more certainty and preparedness and knowing when to push and when to hold back. It's really cool time to be a woman. Okay, good. That sounds better. (laughs) That's good. That's good. That's uplifting. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it back. Well, it has. No, it's really (laughs) changed so much from like to the year 2000 when I started Mm. naturopathic school. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really changed. Like, yes, in the olden days, and we went in the huts and we bled into the ground, and oh, you know, God. and it, like oh. we just weren't part of society when that was happening. It's like, well, yeah. we are now. So yeah. um, let's let's really showcase the strengths, yeah, and share it around the table, and you know, just get get a little bit more clarity on what what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the, I'm just going to ask you some questions. So I, I re-asked the poll yesterday on Instagram and we got, a, I got a lot of poop questions. So tell me yeah. what is the deal with all of the diarrhea around yeah. your period? What, what's going on there? Is that common? Is that normal? Is that okay? Is it something to be alarmed of? What's, what's going on with that? It's extremely common. Okay. And a certain amount of it, I would say, is pretty normal. And there's a good reason for that, is that the tissue that makes up our digestive tract, our urinary tract, and our uterus is all really similar type of tissue. Mm -hmm. And there are receptors, meaning like little places for hormones and proteins and things to hook into to stimulate that tissue. Mm -hmm. There are receptors that are the same for all of that tissue. Oh, and so it's like plugging in the Christmas lights. Then you're like, Oh, everything is it all. And that's the thing (laughs) for some people it gets real. Yeah. And everything up. And for some people, one system will be a lot more pronounced than the other. But what our body is actually trying to help us make this an efficient process. So what it does is it releases what are called prostaglandins Mm -hmm. and prostaglandins work in the body to provide a little bit of irritating stimulation for body to release things that we don't need anymore. Mm -hmm. So like if you ate something, for example, Mm -hmm. um, like that was bad or a little bit off, your body would recognize that and it would send out a bunch of prostaglandins to your colon yeah. or your large intestine and say, get this out of here, mm-hmm. you know, and you would have diarrhea and you wouldn't have that toxic substance in your system. So that's mm-hmm. how it works in the digestive tract, mm-hmm. um, urinary tract was, you know, the same thing. If there's something like a bladder infection or something like that, you'll get that pulse, Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, when people get UTIs, they'll have that frequency, they'll have that urgency yeah. of, like, I just got to pee. Like, mm. well, every time there's pee in my bladder, yeah. I got to pee it out. Yep. And it's terrible. Yes. So once a month, <laughs> our body upregulates up <laughs> prostaglandin. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be just for the uterine lining. 
mm-hmm. except if you've got a lot of those receptors on your colon, mm-hmm. which is your large intestine, which is like, you know, that's the last place where the body's um, supposed to be absorbing all the water out of the waste mm-hmm. to make it solid. And if once it's solid, it pushes on the pressure points right in your rectum. So you know when to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no time for that during the period. <laughs> it's just <laughs> ejection reflux. <laughs> so ladies that are pooping a lot are just loaded up with those little things. That's just, so I mean, they, that's what's happening. They have more receptors yeah. for that. So okay. one way to combat it is, um, you know, things that affect it are inflammation, stress, hydration, mm-hmm. you know, so making sure that you're adequately hydrated going into it, especially if you're a diarrhea or yeah. before yeah. your period. Yeah. yeah. So you can definitely have some issues with hydration and like electrolyte imbalance. And the worse that that electrolyte imbalance gets, the easier it is to like keep having diarrhea. Okay. And so it'd be a time to, you know, particularly if you're inclined to continue working out or feel like you can do that, you know, yeah. just make sure you're replenishing that. If there are things that you know really irritate your system, mm-hmm. this might be a time to look at, you know, like the, some of the really most common ones are like coffee, yeah, alcohol, you know, just really kind of inflaming mm-hmm. things that um, would definitely worsen an, an irritable situation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of talk like in the period world about, um, dairy in particular being mm-hmm. a real aggravator. Mm-hmm. And so it's not my, I don't know, it's not my common practice to have people like avoid or, you know, yeah. like take out like whole food groups. But if yeah. you know, you're like, yeah, yeah, I get a stomach ache when I eat ice cream. It just pick something else. That's a mm-hmm. treat mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. the, um, your appetite also goes way up. Yes. When estrogen, yes. yeah. So estrogen is the big. It's a hungry. Yes. Yeah. Please talk hungry, about that because this, this yeah. is something a lot of my clients go through, and and yeah. I have my own take on it and do my own coaching around it. But I think that just when you get to hear, like, what I'm hoping that a lot of people come away from this podcast hearing is like, I'm not crazy. Like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. There's not a demon inside of me. It's really your body doing the best that it can. And but especially with the hunger thing, because of society, just like mm-hmm. telling us not just to always stick to this this perfect plan. And you're like. There is a beast inside of me that, like you said, is hungry. <laughs> it's a, I do. I call estrogen the hungry, hungry hormone. <laughs> yeah. So explain a little bit more about what's happening. And should you, in quote, indulge? Should you eat more? Do you Is your body doing more activity that you actually do need to eat more food during that time? Yeah. It is. So (laughs) the short answer is, yeah, it's hungry for a reason. So I alluded to estrogen being more of a building Mm -hmm. hormone Mm -hmm. and it is, it actually is. So when we talk about, you know, like in like the weightlifting world, we talk about things that are anabolic and catabolic. And so those are exercises, but there's hormones that are more anabolic and catabolic, which is why you see like dudes used to like take testosterone and, you know, so estrogen is the same way. It requires a lot more 
calorie input, mm-hmm. you know, an actual nutrient input, you're also losing a lot of blood. So yeah. your brain registers that. It's like, uh oh, my iron's going down. I need to eat, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you get cramps, that like, yeah, it's just like, it is a muscle. It's a muscle. I mean, it's a different kind of muscle, but it's still a muscle that's requiring energy. It's Mm -hmm. contracting all day long and cramping all day long. Mm -hmm. And it does have a much higher, like actual food input need. So on the topic usually. Of that muscle. Is that why I'm so tired? I mean, when I can Mm -hmm. tell that because I can sleep, I I just like, I need to nap all day. Like I I can be awake about four hours of the day for, it's like, it's usually only two days ish, but I am exhausted. I mean, just, just plowed. And so is that part of what's going on too? Is just that your body is just constantly working. Yeah, it's part of it. So part of it is that the hormones have gone away. So you don't have anything kind of like sparking you, you know, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the hor- the uterus, if it's, if it's cramping, and there is a fair amount that's unnormal, because it, sh- it needs to get its contents emptied. And yeah. so it's got to do that somehow it does it while you're asleep. It does it while you're awake. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be awake to be flexing your uterus. You know, yeah. So yeah. You can. <laughs> it'll just do it. Just yeah. like you still breathe, just yeah. like you still like digest and everything. It's mm-hmm. still doing it. So you can wake up completely zonked Yeah, because your uterus has been just every five, you know, minutes or so doing a, a squeeze and just doing what it needs to. Mm-hmm to start the cycle over again. Mm-hmm. And so uh, kind of going back to the food thing, what is with, uh, I'm expecting you to know literally everything about periods. <laughs> so, if you don't know something, <laughs> sorry, I'm just bringing all these in, but what's the deal with, I got a lot of questions about this, the chocolate, like why do I need so much chocolate? What is going on there? So chocolate cravings are actually well documented as a magnesium deficiency. And so magnesium is one of the things that our body needs um, for good muscle contractions Mm -hmm. and that we don't really get very much of it in the food that we eat. You'd have to eat a lot, a lot, a lot of green things every day to get enough dietary magnesium. And so it's one of those things where a deficiency, if you've got chocolate cravings, there's a bit higher correlation that you're going to have really crampy periods because of that magnesium deficiency and being, having enough magnesium leading up to your period Mm -hmm. can definitely decrease the amount of cravings. You know, if it's really, you know, if you're finding, you're just like, this is a lot of chocolate to feel normal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To feel okay. Um, um, But the uh, magnesium is a muscle relaxer too, Mm -hmm. just like progesterone. And so it kind of is taking the place of that when the progesterone goes away and if you didn't have enough magnesium. Mm -hmm. And so I have people, you know, try to do at least if you know when your period's coming, you know, try and do uh, seven to 10 days before your period, like mm-hmm. 250 or 300 milligrams of magnesium. Okay. Um, 
is really a safe over the counter amount to try. Okay. Um, and then some of it just is, it's there's, um, you know, chocolate's stimulating mm-hmm. and periods are not exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so there's a little, you know, it sort of picks from a couple of different areas, you know, yeah. like why that comes into play, but, mm-hmm. um, for women, the magnesium is the main thing. Mm-hmm. So a couple questions I got were, were women asking about the week before. So we talked a little bit about like during the period, is all of that stuff the same as the week before, or is there anything different happening the week before versus the week of? Cause one was, why am I a dramatically different person a week before? Why do I stuff my face the week before and then have no appetite when I'm on it? Um, so what is the difference the week before versus on? And is there anything we can do to, I mean, you just mentioned the magnesium seven to 10 days out. Is there anything else we can do, eat, supplement with to help balance that out at all? Yeah. So the long, the long answer to that is that we want to try and keep the progesterone in this, in our system for as long as possible, because that actually eases that transition and shortens the length of actual PMS episode. Mm -hmm. So when, if you can picture, picture just like if we had days one through 30, like on a line Mm -hmm. and we draw, drew a line to represent progesterone there would be not very much in there until we hit the halfway point, which is ovulation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right around day 14. And then it would go up like a bell curve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that would be, you know, and, and we have progesterone, like this big walloping dose of it from that capsule, right? Our little Uber car mm-hmm. that's sitting there, <laughs> right? Like yeah. waiting for us. We'd have a really nice bell curve over the course of seven to 10 days and have all that exposure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, for women that are experiencing or people that are experiencing a really sharp change mm-hmm. and like they're one fine one day and then the next day they're just, everything is terrible and they hate everybody and everybody's mm-hmm. super stupid. And, you know, <laughs> like they yes. can only make poor life choices. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that seems to correlate with a really sharp increase and then decrease of progesterone. And that um, can occur if you're, uh, if you're not ovulating, like mm-hmm. you're having your period, but you're not ovulating, your body has a little bit that it can yeah. kind of shoot in there, but it really relies on that capsule mm-hmm. or follicle to produce a big amount of it. And I see this all the time in women and people who are over like 35 or so, because we do stop ovulating every month, Yeah, you know? And then all of a sudden it's like, what in the world is happening? You know, like mid month, I just get this, like, I'm fine. And then it's just a crash and it's so noticeable Mm -hmm. to put it, put it mildly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so for people who, um, 
you know, and if those prostaglandins are also starting to build, so the ones that are the irritants, they're not mm-hmm. just irritating to our organs, mm-hmm. can also be generally irritating. And yeah. so just feeling that like on edge. And if you have, you know, some people get really tight muscles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right before their period as well. And it's just like that tension is really, really culminating in that week before the period. And then the period finally comes and it's like this huge relief, you know, you're tired, but you don't feel that like just yeah, tight, yeah, irritable, Mm -hmm. ragey, like on edge feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, is there anything you can do? I mean, I think we're probably going to get to that at the end. Cause I do want to know more about like what you can do, but is there anything you can do just like over the counter drink, like just drink more water, take Advil or, or anything you can eat? Or, I mean, I don't know. I just think I just always see like blueberries and self-help, like eat blueberries. I'm like, blueberries are not going to solve this problem. <laughs> Probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that you know the the people can do who you know are feeling those intense mood swings outside of like getting to what we're going to talk about, like with blood draws and labs and stuff like that? Yeah. So I always have people, like I said, start with the magnesium. That's always a good place to start. Um, eating things that help your body to produce more progesterone. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, this is this isn't the be all end all, but um, eating pumpkin seeds. Um, they, they actually help the body, you know, like mm-hmm. make more, it's, it's a mild, you know, yeah. It's like yeah. it would be for people who are on the sensitive end of things, yeah. but I've seen that help a lot. Um, getting, um, certainly moving as much along as you can in the sense of like making sure you are actually pooping pretty regularly. So constipation Mm -hmm. actually can really mucky this up Mm -hmm. um, because you, then you get, you get into an issue where you're recirculating hormones. And if that really builds up, then that certainly can aggravate this more Mm -hmm. than help it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always say, you know, like pooping and sleeping are my two big things. So that would be the other (laughs) thing. It's just okay. like, yeah. you know, like not diarrhea, but just like making sure you're doing the things that you know mm-hmm. work for you. Magnesium actually helps some people with this, you know, okay. like taking a bit of magnesium um, is enough. Um, dietary fiber, all of that will help to bind out extraneous hormone um, so that you're only dealing with what you need to deal with and not extra stuff on top mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. What about exercise or running when you're just, you know, in that kind of height, the height for me, I mean, I don't know what it is for everyone else, but for me, it's usually like one to three days that are just rough. And so what do you, should you push through? Is it like, like you said, like try and just keep going and push through or should you rest or is it just, you know, you, you use your best judgment? Yeah, it is a use your best judgment such scenario Yeah. For, um, because there's a lot of validity to doing some movement to help with the circulation. It actually helps your body be more efficient and like getting the, the uterine contents emptied out. So having mm-hmm. really good circulation can really help with people that have back pain. 
from having totally get that low back pain. Really, yeah. yeah. If you have mm-hmm. really intense periods, um, doing some movement can certainly help. I know it helped me a ton when I figured that out. It's like I don't have energy to do like you know, wouldn't choose to do like a super long. You know, yeah, like yeah, run or something like that on that day. Um, you know, there's been a few days where it's just landed that way because it's a race or whatever. Yeah. And you know, it's yeah. not like I'm not going to do it. But yeah. I also rest and walk when I need to. And yeah. so it is about just reading into that. And like, yeah. when you feel that like sense of relief where yeah. your body feels a little bit like it's calmed down a little bit, definitely yeah. resting. Is a yeah. Great idea. Yeah. yeah. And if you are just like zonked and your body yeah. saying lay here yeah, and have a milkshake <laughs> and don't talk to people, you know, like stay off social media, not, get some tissues. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> stay off Amazon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Then, it's, um, those are really important things to listen to, too, because they, it's, it's nice to remember that it's not going to last forever. Yeah. Yes. It's one not que- going to last forever. Uh, one question I wanted to ask, cause I feel like this is a personal question that people, someone probably feels very uncomfortable at talking to just like a normal human about, but is brown sludge normal a few days before the real blood starts? So that's the question. Yes. And it's a normal variation of menstruating. Yeah. So it goes back to that. How sensitive is your brain mm-hmm. to that hormone dropping? And so when you, if you, again, if we look back and we saw like that, that line that we drew for the month and looking at the rise and the fall of the hormones, mm-hmm. what you'll see is as the progesterone and estrogen are dropping off that's when you'll see the bleeding start it coincides exactly with that Mm -hmm. and so if your brain is like oh there's no more progesterone in the system but there's still a little estrogen in the system you might see that brown sludge and the it's only brown because it's not gushing out right it's just (laughs) it's literally just like trickling out and all blood turns brown when it oxidizes or when it hits very true yeah okay so when it's coming out more heavily Mm -hmm. you don't see it as brown again until the end of your period when it goes slows down to a trickle again Mm -hmm. what's also normal and notable to say about this too is a lot of people ask me about clots and like big blobs of blood that come out and like if that's normal or not um it can be if you're like, say you're laying down for a long time and then mm-hmm. you get up. If it's sitting in your vagina, it's just going to do what blood does, which is clots. It's yeah. supposed to clot. It's just, it's designed to clot. Um, there's other stuff mixed in with it. But if you're like, you you know, you've been laying down all night and you're wearing like an overnight pad and you get yeah. up and like, yeah. oh, there's oh, like a God, it's the golf, worst. <laughs> golf ball size clot that comes out. Oh. Like that, that can be pretty normal if yeah. you're up and you're active mm-hmm. and you're having really bad cramps and you're passing clots while you're up, that would be something to potentially go see a doctor about because that would okay. indicate um, just really um, 
could indicate more of an imbalance than just the run of the mill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But laying Uh, down even for an hour or two, like if you laid down to like watch some Netflix or whatever and you got up, like you could still see that during the heavier days. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been seeing a lot more about the diva cup. I think it's called the diva cup, the cup versus tampon versus pad. Is there, do you have a preference on any of those? Um, so for people that have a lot of cramping, it's worth looking at something like a cup or even like the thinks, um, mm-hmm. underwear, mm-hmm. Uh, just because some cramping is because the, the, you have to imagine that the, the space that the uterus and the bladder and the rectum are inhabiting is about the size of a baby's head. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> like it's not very big, like a newborn head. It's yeah. like, it's, it's a small space and they're yeah. all vying for volume. Yeah. They're all vying to be functioning. You know, you fill up your, your bladder, you're going to piss the uterus off because now it has more <laughs> pressure on it mm-hmm. and vice versa. And that's why, you know, like being constipated, not a great way to enter, um, Anything really, (laughs) anything really. No, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. Constipation is one of the things that makes people real grumpy real fast. (laughs) Um, so it can help with people that have a lot of cramping to just to not have anything in the vagina, tampon cup, anything, and just see if that helps with some of the cramping, because you really are, you're dealing with a pelvic floor, you're dealing with, you know, organs, again, that are vying for space and territory in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having something that's unobstructing, you know, and not taking up more volume. Yeah. That being said, yeah, I think the Diva Cup is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a little, you know, bit of trial and error getting used to and, you know, some people take to it yeah. right away just yeah. a matter of, um, you know, the obstacle there just being like learning how to empty it. Yeah. Yeah. It getting everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it's worth just practicing at home. And, and, you know, it's, I like, I really actually love that one because then people have to understand their anatomy a little better, <laughs> like really, really well, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> where everything is for that one to even work. Yep. Do not put that in your pooper. That does not yeah. where that one goes. <laughs> yeah. And then if at all possible, using tampons that are not full of bleach would be optimal just Mm. because. Oh my God. I've never even looked at that. Does it say that? Is that like part of the ingredients list? Contains Um, bleach? It should say, well, no, that's the problem. Um, No, it doesn't (laughs) say that. (laughs) You'll find that it says it doesn't contain it on the ones that don't have it on there. Okay. Interesting. Yes. People can be more sensitive to the bleaching agents and they mm-hmm. do act as what are called xenoestrogens or estrogen mimickers. And so can, it's not, we don't know how common it is, honestly. Um, mm. wow. But heavier bleeding, you know, higher estrogen means heavier bleeding in general. And mm-hmm. so it's just in anything that you can do, any little thing you can do to kind of lower your exposure mm-hmm. to things that are causing the problem. It's really mm-hmm. my line of work. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're just about at an hour. Do you still have like another 10 or 15 minutes? I have about five probably. Okay, so, perfect. I'll just, um, I'll... But what we can do, we could do a Q and a, um, you know, I'd be happy to do a Q and a 
for any other questions that come in because there might be okay. other questions that people have after this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I want to just kind of skip then to the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about really quick is that if someone wanted to work on their period stuff, if they were like, ah, oh, this just feels out of control. Uh, what do they do? Because I didn't know really that this was a thing until I had met you and you were living in Portland. And I know a couple of my girlfriends had worked with you and you helped them a lot. And so what would someone do if they were wanting to better understand where they were with their hormones or where they were just in their body? Like what would the next steps be for them to take? Yeah. So the first step is to get a period tracker on your smartphone okay, and start tracking. So that's hugely helpful information for any doctor, you know, or nurse practitioner that you might work with in the future Mm -hmm. on it. And it's just Mm -hmm. to see like, what are the symptoms, particularly for someone like me that it's like, I can tell so many things by just like what you tell me, what your month is like. Yeah. yeah, I can tell well, at this point, I can tell, you know, it's like, oh, you're not making any progesterone, you yeah. know, or um, you're not making much of either, or mm. it's just taking longer for your body to readjust after being, you know, on a hormonal type of birth control, you know, and mm-hmm. these are the things that we can do, you know, mm-hmm. to get it reestablished. So that's the first thing is start getting data mm-hmm. on what the month is like. And so mo- there's so many free period tracker apps out there now. There's some really, there's some ones that don't cost very much money. Garmin mm-hmm. has a tracker now. Um, you know, if you do like yeah, any Garmin tracking, but Kindara, Clue, Daisy, there's one called period tracker. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know. Great. The second thing is actually looking for um, someone who does hormone testing. And so some MDs do. And if you look for someone who does functional medicine, mm-hmm. who's an MD or even a naturopathic doctor like me um, here in New Zealand, I work with a, a medical doctor here in my clinic and she does functional medicine. Mm-hmm. Working with a naturopathic physician is, and, and that's somebody who is licensed in your state mm-hmm. um, through a licensing body, not just a, a naturopath. There's in unlicensed states, there's a little bit of confusion, but mm-hmm. um, working with a naturopathic physician who can act, who can do the testing and um, order the panels and help interpret them and then mm-hmm. make treatment plan based on that mm-hmm. can be really good. Um, there's some nurse practitioners also too, that are doing this work, like women's health, um, nurse practitioners. Okay, cool. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, So how do people find you if they're like, oh my gosh, this woman knows, I feel like she was speaking to me or I, they have lingering questions. They can definitely ask me the lingering questions and we can come back and do a Q and a, but how do people connect with you? What is the best way for them to find you and just link up? Awesome. <laughs> My uh, best way right now is the, I'm building out a, just a women's health page, Instagram, and that's at functional underscore femme. And I'm right now filling in all the highlights so that if you just want to learn about like PMS, there's one for that. If you want to learn about perimenopause, there's one for that. 
putting just together a whole bunch of educational info there. And then I've got a campsite menu that if people actually want to schedule a consult, uh, I definitely love seeing people virtually and all of the, the testing can actually be done remotely. So So someone over here can work with you over there. Yeah. I'm still working with people in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Okay. Great. It's really awesome. I know one of the blessings of 2020 was (laughs) figured out how to make it all possible. So yeah, Yeah. I'm very happy to work with people in the States still. And, um, and of course people in New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. I mean, I feel like I got an anatomy lesson, a PMS lesson. I learned so many new words and I just feel like you helped me connect a lot of dots for what really is going on because I think it's something I do is I just tell my boyfriend, like, I'm just PMSing, just like leave me alone and and I'm hormonal. And so it just again, kind of helps connect some of those dots that we're not crazy, we're not broken, and there might actually be some things that we can do to help alleviate some of those symptoms and that our body is actually trying to take care of us. And so, you know, resting when needed, listening to your body, trusting your body. Um, But if it sounds like if things feel a little extreme or you're just curious, kind of like I am, you can get those, that blood work done and then connect with Amanda and get further information about what specifically is going on with your body. So thank you, Amanda. I appreciate your time. It was so good to see your face. Um, yeah, I will link all of your stuff in the show notes and this, this will be out for everyone to listen to. And I hope lots of people connect with you. Cause I just think you're outstanding. I think you're outstanding. And I'm not just saying that I am so, so, so grateful for the work that you do Aww. and the people that you are helping and just being an awesome place in the world on the on the <laughs> internet and, and in person. It's really good to see you too. Thank you thank so you. much. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. All right, my friends, that is all we have for this week. I hope you loved this episode. And again, you can find all about Amanda. I'm going to link up everything she has in the show notes. Be sure and follow her because she is amazing. And she is loading up her Instagram page with all kinds of useful content. All right. I'll see you next week. I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here and listening and taking time to let me into your little ear holes. It means the world to me. It would also mean the world to me if you would just take a hot little second and subscribe to the show and leave a review. This helps other people who have been where you're at or are currently where you're at find this podcast. And that is the greatest gift you could give to me. Thanks for hanging in there.